Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow and change? Grow and change? Even things of like, how will I know when you're having a good time? What do you tend to look like? I like to tell people that it's a great question. Despite all of my efforts, when I'm achieving like my peak pleasure, I look like I am deep in thought and kind of angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that can be off-putting. Be like, oh my god, are you okay? Welcome to the Curious Fox Podcast for those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue, and I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today we're talking about threesomes. What are the different configurations of a threesome? What should you consider, discuss, or plan before, during, and after a threesome? How can you bring up your desire to have threesomes or find person or people to have threesomes with? Lots of saying the word threesome. Lots of threesome words. (laughs) (laughs) My first experience of a threesome. Actually, Mm. I should say my first experience of a threesome with a couple Mm. kind of scarred me for life. I have to say. <laughs> no, kind of. Really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just had so much potential. Mm-hmm. I had really high hopes. It had so much potential. But really, the way it turned out really put me off having sex with couples. Uh, in fact, to this yeah. day, I don't. Like, I would have to be really convinced. Like, I would be, I would have to be super convinced. I'd have to know the people really well. Like, they'd have to be my oh, friends no. individually, not as a couple. Like, I wouldn't, I want to, like, have separate long-term established mm-hmm. relationships with each of the couple so it's not necessarily a couple it, so it mm-hmm. still feels like three friends really mm-hmm. even though they're a couple mm-hmm. like that's when i would be convinced again to have sex with a couple they like ruined you yeah they did ruin Aww. me they did they did what and happened? i was just like yeah i was like right at the beginning of like i was baby polly roaming the sex positive community solo having a whale of a time you know i was like right there and i was just so happy that i found this community and i was like wow it's exactly it's exactly what i've been looking for all my life i'm like free i'm free look at me roaming <laughs> 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 like yeah as one does of course as one does, one does. <laughs> um, that's really, that was really my my hindsight and like a couple showed interest in me and you know i did a little bit of homework they'd been around for a while so people like knew them so i knew that i wasn't going to get kidnapped and murdered which now I realize a low bar, you know, like, (laughs) 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 you know, (laughs) at the time I was like, not going to get murdered, not going to get kidnapped. Good. You're like, all right, sounds good. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to be, you know, now I realize a very low bar and that's not where the bar should be. But you know, here I was just learning all this stuff. They were hot, you know, and I was at a point in my life, like seeking experiences more than anything. So I was like, yeah, like they're, they seem like a great idea. We had none of the conversations we talk about <laughs> in this in this episode. I foolishly assumed that they were on the same page, right? Mm. Because they're a couple established in the sex positive community and non monogamous, apparently. And so I was like, okay, great. Like they they must know what they're doing among themselves. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great. Like I'm having, I'm gonna do this with an experienced couple. They're on board. I have, you know, my shit together. I'm not gonna get murdered. I'm not gonna get kidnapped. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm all in. And they were pursuing me. By the way, I'd like to, I'd like to really make that point. Mm-hmm. They were pursuing me, and I was like, "Great. Uh, why not?" Um. So we got there, and you know, the lights were dim, and I've got to admit, it was a good transition. Like no one was messing mm-hmm. around. There were some drinks, but like mm-hmm. we, we knew why we were there for. So there wasn't like coyness. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there was sometimes there's coyness in threesomes mm-hmm. and people are just like pretending they just happen to be at the same place, you know, <laughs> with a bag of toys. I'm like, why are we being coy people? <laughs> like we we arranged this. Like there has been conversations about this. There's been email threads and lists about this. Like let's not be coy. There's a trello with different steps. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Like, come on. So let's just get a more, but you know, so they, they were sort of of the same elk. So great. I was like, great. You know, we had a, a few drinks. 
and the lights were dim and we kind of smoothly moved into, you know, a sensual vibe. You know, there was like gentle touching. It was good. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. It's hot. And the clothes started coming off, which is great. You know, I, I like a little bit. I don't like full nudity. I mean, when you're in it, mm-hmm. you kind of want nudity, obviously. Otherwise, things get in the way. But, you know, but when you're like touching and mm-hmm. feeling, I like a little bit of something because I like different mm-hmm. textures. Anyway, we were getting there. It was great. And as we getting, you know, hot and heavy, I noticed that he's more into me than she is, which is okay. Mm. You know, I'm okay about that. And at that point, I'm also super inexperienced with women anyway. So Mm. I'm like fully interested, but I feel like a 12 year old boy. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, I'll just take lead from her, (laughs) you know? So I'm like, great, take your time. I'm not rushing to get at you. And so you take your time and I'll take your lead. Like that's what I'm, that's what's Mm -hmm. happening in my head. Note to self now, like, don't have that thought in your head. Actually say it out loud, mm-hmm. right? So that's like, mm-hmm. you know, difference between then and now. But that's in my head. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll take your lead. And things are getting like hotter and heavier. That's great. A lot of kissing is happening and hands are wandering, a lot of skin to skin. And, you know, I ha- at this point, I have high hopes. I'm like, yes, this is going so well. Who knew that these things would turn out so well at your first go? I'm like, you know, virtually patting myself on the back. And then, you know, and I'm in it. I'm like, well, look at me. This is great. Like all this stuff people are talking about, this stuff is so easy. And I realized, I came to a realization that I lost track of her. Like you have to realize at this point we're on the bed and like, you know, people are on top of people and... Uh, and it's often you can get you can lose track of somebody in a threesome. So I kind of lost mm-hmm. track of her. Like I couldn't feel her on me. I couldn't feel her hands on me. And then I kind of did this like as I as I'm doing what I'm doing, I kind of like felt around the bed like with mm-hmm. my hands and obviously while making it look really sexy. Uh, but what I'm really doing is like, where are you? I, can't, I don't know where you are. <laughs> you know. Um, so so okay. Oh okay, like she's nowhere near me. And then I, well, maybe she is behind her husband. So I kind of like reach around him, being all sensual and like still looking for her. He's like, not there. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, this is getting nice. This feels good. Um, I'm like, okay. Also. As you're doing like sexy stuff, especially group stuff, mm-hmm. what happens is you kind of, you know, people talk about this energy, you know, I'm not a woo-woo person, but there is like when sexuality is heightened, like mm-hmm. there is an energetic field and you can mm-hmm. feel, you can mm-hmm. feel the, the things that's happening within the energetic field. Like that's the best yes. way I can explain it. It sounds so woo-woo. I hate myself for it, but that's just kind of how it feels. <laughs> yes. And I also kind of like checked in and I was like, I don't actually feel her in the bubble either. Like, she's not in the fields, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, she's not only not within my reach, but she also doesn't feel in the field, Mm -hmm. like, in the sexual energy field. So, Mm -hmm. like, I am there. At the same time, by the way, I'm multitasking. I'm so used to being in my own head. I'm also just, like, getting on with the... (laughs) With with all (laughs) the things. And I'm having sex while that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm having sex while while this is happening. So, So, I'm there. I'm like, okay... Um, you know, trying to figure it out in it. I'm like, okay, well, she'll come back whenever she will. And, and I'm kind of, that's where I am. And then mm-hmm. suddenly out of nowhere mm-hmm. with no actual preparation or warning or nothing, the mm-hmm. lights come on. And I mean, all of the lights, everything <laughs> full whack, like going from like super dimly lit where you actually kind of yeah. just see the silhouettes of people and you have mm-hmm. to like, feel around the bed to find someone like that's where yeah. we went from there to like reading lights all the right. lights are on full blast <laughs> like fluorescent lighting like you're in a doctor's <laughs> office like just <laughs> mm-hmm. that's exactly wow. how it felt i was like whoa like your eyes are like like are you going what's happening oh, yeah. and it's like yeah awkward you know you're naked and suddenly like <laughs> you know you're naked obviously you're having sex but like suddenly you're very aware of your nakedness yeah you know initially i'm like shocked what's happening right what's happening yeah, yeah. is this the end of the world like what <laughs> what could possibly be happening <laughs> right, did my first time in the threesome initiate the world end? <laughs> right <laughs> what can possibly be happening is there a fire somewhere like what is happening and then of course my mind went to her like is she okay mm-hmm. like suddenly mm-hmm. lights are on like are the ambulances coming? Like, what's going on? So I'm like scanning around the room. I can like, my eyes are like all over the place. I'm like, I can't, I'm like, what's going on? 
And then, and then I, I and I find, I, I, my eyes find her, and she's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. standing by the door, with her hand on the light switches, one hand on the light switches, and the other hand on her hip, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'm not okay with this anymore." That's all she had to say. That was it. I'm not okay with this anymore. Huh. And initially, I thought something terrible had happened. You know, like. Yeah. Something, something terrible. That the grandiosity of the reaction of the whacking on the lights yeah. in such an abrupt way that really like killed it. I was like, something terrible happened. And then it turns out this is how they handle these situations. <sighs> that they don't really talk about the things. They kind of do the things. And when she feels uncomfortable, she slams mm-hmm. on the brakes. And that is the end of it. And so he was fine. So lights go on. You're confused. He's like putting his pants on. Like, well, that was fun. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He like, he got off me and I, and he didn't, he didn't look shocked. I was further shocked by the fact that he just seemed his like lack he of was shocks. expecting it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why, first of all, that's why he got to it so quick. You were like, you know, we got there. There was no conversation because he's like, there's a window of time. <laughs> I got to make this happen as quickly as possible before the lights turn on. <laughs> you know, I had never thought of that, but now I get it. I'm just like, oh, they're being cool. I'm like, no, he's like, I need to get this in <laughs> before this gets, <laughs> this gets boycotted. Before it gets shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not fun. But then was there a conversation with you or anything? Were they just like, let's get you a cab? Like, what? No, what? I was livid. I was so oh, yeah. angry. No, they were they, yeah. they were actually kind of blase, but they're like, yeah, that's kind of how we do it. And, you know, if, 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 and the way it was explained to me is like, if one of us isn't happy, we yeah. stop the situation, right? Which, yeah, I get that, right? I get that attitude. Yes. I get that. But how you actually stop the thing is is a thing. Yes. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? Like yes. you don't like tap wow. me on the shoulder and say, "Hey Effie, like can we just cool it down a little bit?" Mm-hmm. And not everyone's so comfortable. Maybe can we have a conversation? Mm-hmm. Can we get you a drink? Let's slow mm-hmm. down. Like there are a million mm-hmm. ways I can think of where mm-hmm. you express you're not okay with something and you are one hundred percent within your right not to be okay with yes. what's going on. That's not, yes. that yes. is not the question, yes. right? There's, there's yes. that's not the question. How you do the thing kind yes. of matters, right? Yes. Especially if you're experienced, right? Because yeah. you know, by that point you have tools available to you. You've done this a few times. Like you have language behind you. You're dealing with people who also know what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. you can regulate yourself in a way that you can like ease the whole thing down without necessarily like mm-hmm. slamming on the brakes. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, so now note to self, get references. We got to like yelp it. Like we oh got to go. <laughs> if I could leave a review. Oh my God. If only I could leave a review. <laughs> somewhere. I would. So I would love to write that review. It would satisfy some angry part of me. No end. <laughs> I would oh, so sad. Like half a star. <laughs> and just <laughs> And that's for the good drinks oh, and the good lighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that is some introduction. Mm, wow. Yeah, I was wow. so mad. I got my, I got so mad. I got myself a cab. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. got dressed. I was like not a happy bunny. And then I kind of like wow. ignored them for 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 years actually i was i just yeah. i barely spoke to them after we kept running into each other in yeah. social circles and parties and things like that and i was just like i'm sorry i i, I can't i just haven't moved on i really yeah. was a shitty experience and i haven't moved on i don't feel hurt by it i think maybe now retrospectively i don't know if i was traumatized at the time i just remember being livid just super mm. super angry and disappointed and disgusted by that kind of like bad manners that was really more i was just like just terrible manners i was just like this is who brought you up i was was like why are you so mad you're like because it was bad manners and then i found out like that's that's what they do like as i told my story to people because i just like i couldn't leave a review anywhere so i just had to tell everyone (laughs) um people said oh yeah yeah they do that yeah they do that Mm -hmm. so anyway now 
That's why the mm-hmm. bar is not so low as am I not gonna am I gonna am I gonna be kidnapped <laughs> and murdered? Right? The bar has mm-hmm. moved up to are you decent people? Are you decent people? Yeah, Can yes. you have conversations? Do you have, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have manners? Do you have words <laughs> that you can use rather than like whacking on some lights? Yes. Having said all of this, this is one experience of one woman in the, at one point in her life. Not mm-hmm. to be any kind of prophecy for anybody out there looking to have an experience with a couple. Just make sure yes. they're a decent, well-mannered couple. <laughs> so today we have the guide that now I wish you would have had <laughs> all of those years ago. We are having conversation with friend of the fox, sex educator, mental health professional, wrestler, dom, and the world record holder of volume squirting solo, Lola Jean. We love us some Lola Jean. We spoke with her episode 94 on pegging and butt stuff. And our last in-person workshop before the world shut down was Lola Jean facilitating a workshop on threesomes. Which is kind of the information you want for the end of the world. I feel like how to have a good threesome. If you haven't nailed that information that the world is ending, I feel like that information should be at the top of your list. Like how to make a fire, how to grow your food, and how to have a successful, fun threesome. Exactly. How you're going to be quarantined with some folks. So how to get it on in a way that everyone is happy. Yeah. So she, she did a fantastic job and we have been meaning to have this conversation with her forever. And so finally we were able to schedule it and we now get to explore all of the things that people, now we know what not to do. We know mm-hmm. <laughs> don't just have the bar and not being killed and kidnapped. Don't mm-hmm. just flip on the lights when you get mad. And Lola Jean is going to share with us what we should know and do when we are venturing into a threesome. First, let me say, Lola Jean, this is not the first time we've had this conversation with you. We actually, was this one of the last? I it think was one of the last the ones. last. It was the, the last, last workshop that we did before mm-hmm. the pandemic. That's Absolutely. wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. We had you facilitate a conversation around this. Fantastic. And for now the three years since, we've been saying we need to have you on the podcast to have this conversation. And so finally... We've all gotten our act together and you are here and we appreciate it. We had you on to talk about all of the fun butt play that we can do. And that was Mm -hmm. amazing. And I learned a lot. And so I'm excited. I'm here with my pad and paper ready to take notes because threesomes, while having been on my bucket list for a long time, is not yet something that I have done. Ah, Does that surprise a lot of people? I think so. I think so. I'm sure that people think that I've done. I think people think that Effie and I've had sex many huh. times probably. And I oh. think that they, that's what I think. Uh-huh. I think that people think that you I don't are. know. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, you, I never Effie thought says, about that. But Effie says all the times that she fucks her friends and she says how good of friends we are. So I imagine people <laughs> think that then we have the best of sex. That hasn't happened. Oh, yeah. I know. We should tell reasons. people that, though. I think I we should know. let people like keep their fantasies. Or maybe we have. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing. Oh, when I oh, used to host a podcast, people just assumed me and my podcast host like fucked or were in a relationship or something. And it's also not the case. Yeah. Okay. But so I want to transition from there because speaking of our fantasies being uh-huh. this grand thing, right? So threesomes seem to be the gateway to non-monogamy, to kink, right? Is like the way we dip our toe into the water of these yeah. things. It's like first on the bucket it, list for so many people. I was I just going to say, mean, myself included. like in everyone's bucket list. <laughs> but like, right? why? <laughs> yes. I, this is exactly the conversation we were having, setting up, yes. coming up to this episode. We we're like, but why? Why? And Jackie's like, I'm not interested in the why. I'm interested in the how. how? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I know why I want to do it. Because I do think that it feels like control and being out of control together. Like it is a scenario that I'm controlling, but then it is an experience that feels like an adventure that I haven't experienced before. So it's like that nice combination of, I hopefully know what I'm stepping into, but I don't know what's going to happen once I'm there. That's why I think it's interesting to me. It's like a we, we know what two person sex is like mainly basically and then it's it's like okay it can't be that completely different but I also haven't experienced it before. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's playing with something familiar which is always what I recommend to people when they're stepping into kink is like try something that's still familiar to you and then play around with it. So I guess I can see why. Yes, exactly. the, and like I'm saying that where it's just like for myself that was like the first thing I wanted to try. That seems to be the case. I also think that it's like if you're going to stray off the path it's like the one that is the most socially accepted, like the mm. safest, has the less risk. Like 
everyone's like, oh, a threesome. Of course, like, of course you're going to have a threesome, right? Whereas if you're like, I went to a BDSM party and I got whipped. Everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny to me too, because like that is the assumption, but then having been through it and like, especially for the spice up your relationship talk, and even though like that was something that not I did to spice up, I did to spice up someone else's relationship, but it's like, <laughs> it's not the safest way. You're probably going to hurt someone yeah. in this scenario more than you would if you got spanked at a BDSM party. It's true. Yes. Yeah. I've mentioned yes. that now a few times, having been to sex parties, that actually has felt like the way safer experience. I felt more safe there than at a, at a nightclub in New York City. Like mm-hmm. I felt more like yeah. consent was, was a practice. I felt like more I could observe and just voyeur and that would comfortable, like all of the things. So we have this fantasy in our mind about what threesomes are like from your experience, what makes them great? And then also what makes them suck? <laughs> so, hard. Oh, so many things. Well, I think the first thing is like of the elephant in the room is that constantly what's in our mind when we talk about a threesome is we think a couple and a single person mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. how else would three people get together? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. an important thing is to get that out of our mind that that is the only way. And in my vast experience where I was mostly the third, when it is three unrelated parties, so there is no couple dynamic, those are some of the best ones. And I guess to Effie's point, when it's also friends or you know someone, that can be really fun. It can be like Mm. sort of a bonding experience as well. But in my experience, why threesomes can be great is just exposure to more people and more people's bodies and how they experience pleasure. When I started having threesomes, I had never been in a relationship either. So it was also my exposure to different relationships, different styles of relationships, ones that I admired and ones that I thought were toxic. (laughs) So like all across the board. And it really helped me with that exposure to more relationships to figure out what I wanted and what I was looking for. At the same time too, it's also just, it's novelty. It's a lot of stimuli and having that many different mouths and configurations and bodies, just that novelty on itself can be really, really fun. I know that usually when I'm like perusing porn, I want a group sex scenario. I want to see a lot of different people and a lot of bodies. That's what usually will get me excited But reasons that they can suck is that you're dealing with so many people and so many dynamics. And especially if there is a couple dynamic, which is a power dynamic, you can feel like the odd duck out. You can get hurt. You can get ignored. You can get disrespected. You could at the same time feel a lot of pressure. There's, I mean, when you add, the more people you add, the more different, you know, risks and dynamics that are at play. Which is kind of, again, going back to where having friends or even not if they're in like the threesome or the group sex, but having friends outside of that, that you can talk to and that you can go to. Like if you are a unicorn or a third, have unicorn and third friends. It's kind of the same as like having kink friends. These are important to keep yourself safe. But I I think it's important to know that like we have a fantasy of this going into it. And sometimes that can work to our disadvantage because we're trying to meet this expectation when there's also other people involved who maybe don't have your same expectation. Yes, absolutely. And I think when, when you say threesome where anybody says a threesome, they, like we said, there's an image that pops up in their head and they mean that, right? They mean one very specific thing, even though we're just saying threesome. And then if you sort of dig a little deeper, you realize, oh no, what you imagine is very different from what I imagined, right? So I'm curious to you, like, what are the different types or combinations of threesomes can we come up with? So, I mean, there's, there's so many types because as with sex, kink and all of it, it's imagination is the only bound. So you're going to come up with things that don't exist because we're creative humans. And that's, that's the capabilities that sex can give us. So that's the platform it can give us. What people I think commonly assume is going to be a couple plus one person. And then also a dynamic where everyone it's mutual. Everyone is attracted to everyone. Everyone is sexually engaging with everyone in some way, shape or form. And that's just really one type. So you can have a threesome where it's kind of like a two-on-one. So it's two people that are attracted to and pleasing that person, but they're not engaged or attracted sexually or whatever to each other. It could be a couple and one person, whether that's a thruple or just a third. It could be three like 
unrelated parties. So no one is tethered to each other, but maybe they know each other. It could be a scenario where one person is kind of like the puppeteer and they're telling the other two people what to do, either to each other or to them, or just directing the whole thing. One person could be a voyeur. There could be kind of like a, you know, two subs and a dom scenario or vice versa. So really it's just like, you know, the imagination is the only thing holding you back here. And I think the important thing for people to know is that you don't have to engage with everyone in the threesome. You don't have to be attracted to everyone in the threesome. Like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do in order to make everyone happy. And I find like one thing that I've gotten a lot from like, talking about threesomes and teaching this is specifically cis men will say, I'm not attracted to this person or I'm not into other cis men. Why would I be okay with someone else being in the room? And that just kind of screams internalized homophobia to me or something where I call it like dickophobia of like, you can't have another penis in the room because some, I don't know, there's something about you that can't take that, but you don't, you don't have to engage with the other person. You don't have to touch them. I've had plenty of threesomes one way or the other where they've been fun for different reasons of engaging or not engaging. So that's that's an important thing to remember is like the dynamic you're looking for is that you all can communicate and work together. Mm. And basically you kind of find the dynamic of threesome that works for you based on everybody's wants and desires instead of being like, I need to have a threesome where everyone's mouths aren't everyone's genitals and there's just simultaneous swapping. Like you can't force that onto someone that can be like your ideal, but ideally it's everybody's wants, needs, desires, dislikes that informs the type of threesome you're having. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you want to be into the threesome, but not necessarily into everybody in the threesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be. And if that's a requirement for you, then dig deeper on that. Understand why that is not necessarily because like I have to be attracted to everyone, but understand if there are like threats or insecurities at play that are preventing you and therefore preventing the other people from experiencing something. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said when we were talking about butt play and you were talking about not just to think about the actual experience, but think about what you want to feel in that experience, because what you want to feel will drive what you want to do. And so it sounds like instead of just picturing three bodies together, do I want to feel dominated? Do I want to feel in control? Do I want to feel like I'm a part of something? Do I just want to like that then will drive potentially what the experience could look like? That makes sense. Absolutely. Cause like right now, like I'm saying threesome and everyone's going to have something different in their mind of what that looks like for them. Mm -hmm. So if we can think about how we want to feel, yeah, that can influence the experience. And whenever I say this, like, I feel like it always goes to like, I want to feel aroused. I want to feel hot and horny. It's like, great. Awesome. Probably, but we need more descriptive words than that. So like, do you want to feel overwhelmed? Do you want to feel like less responsibility? Do you want to feel voyeuristic? Like all all of these different things can help us then lead to situations or even then of like maybe some of our worries. So I always express to couples that like, I am just instinctively going to worry so much about them and their experience. And that kind of stresses me out and it makes me focus less on my own experience. So I like talk to them about that upfront to see if they're going to be on the same page as me instead of just assuming that like, I'm more concerned with them than me. I want someone to be invested as well. And that's just from my past experience. So I like, I talked to them about that upfront. And I've one time I had a couple that was just like, okay, great. Then let's just focus on you for like the first 10 minutes. And then we'll just ease into whatever. And I was like, Oh, that, thank you. (laughs) That question is always the key questions. Like, how do you want to feel? Which I think is just such a great way to start exploring how you want to have a threesome. I'm curious to what other things that people should first, I feel like do a self inquiry, right? Ask themselves, like what are the things they should consider for themselves and what are are the things they should be discussing with the others, be it your partner, if that's the case, be it with the people, the individuals, if that's the case, like what are the things that, that we should consider? Uh, I think especially when there is like a partnership at play, but of course it's applicable to everyone is asking yourself when you have like boundaries or rules where that's coming from or why that's occurring. Recently, I've been hearing the difference between boundaries and rules described as that boundaries come from a place of love and rules come from a place of fear. So if understanding, if you have certain rules within your partner, so I've like engaged in a lot of 
threesomes or encounter a lot of couples that would be like, okay, our rule is that this person is not allowed to have sex with you, but I am. And, you know, is that coming from a place of like, we're trying to conceive a baby and that would be weird if that happened because of this dynamic that's going on? Or is it like, I'm going to get really jealous and that's why it can't happen? Because if that's the case, when it comes to like jealousy, that's a symptom of something else, whether it's an unmet need or an insecurity. And by pushing that off, like you're pushing off the inevitable, it's, you need to address that. It's going to come up. So you're just trying to prevent yourself from feeling a feeling. Jealousy isn't a feeling we should be preventing ourselves from feeling. We should address why that's occurring and then like try to neutralize it. So I think one of the, one of the biggest things is just like, I, I think in threesomes, because of like the controlling aspect you were talking about, Jacqueline, like a lot of people try to control too much and that can sometimes prevent people from experiencing or prevent their own desires. And it's not to say that like have no boundaries, but like our boundaries should also have a rhyme and reason and our boundaries should still consider other people and when we're potentially limiting them. Yeah. And I think particularly in the scenario that you just described where it's a couple and a third person. And again, to your point, there's this idea of a unicorn, this floating person who not only just exists to, but really wants to engage in a couple who wants to engage with both of those folks in whatever those terms are. And then afterwards is happy just only being available for those experiences, right? Doesn't want anything more. It sounds like that in those cases, it feels like that person is a character in your performance that they are someone who you are enlisting to be a part of your fantasy and not an actual person with their own fantasies and needs and wants. And so even coming, approaching it from that perspective feels like a shift. Yeah. And and even like just saying it like that, it kind of, it's like if someone identifies as a third or a unicorn, it's like that you're assuming they're a monolith. And like, maybe that is the case. Maybe they just want to kind of pop in, pop out. They'll take care of themselves. But for a lot of people, maybe that's what they think is the case, but they also don't know. Like I went into it being like, I want to be a unicorn and a third, I'll be an accessory. I'll pop in, pop out, none of the drama. And then I learned that, oh, I I actually require a lot more than that. (laughs) So based on what you you just shared, you went into it thinking, I can do this. This will be great. And then as you started to experience it, you're like, actually, I I feel like I, I need something more. Looking back, what are some of the things, the lessons learned in that experience, or what are some things that you would have asked yourself or that you ask yourself now before you enter into an experience? I think that's like, it's a great opportunity also to address that, you know, the three of us talk about these things a lot, sex, love, relationships, and all that. And it can sometimes be easy for us to say, figure out what you like and what you want and how you want to feel and all these things. But that can actually be really difficult. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we have this pressure to like, know how you want to feel and know what you want and know your boundaries. And it's totally fine not to know that or to say, I think I want to feel this way, but I'm not a hundred percent sure until I'm in it. Or I thought I wanted to feel that way, but it turns out that wasn't the case or, or whatever that may be. So being, being gentle with yourself and also not feeling that pressure to know how you want to feel. Sometimes it's even more helpful to say, I know I don't want to feel this way. It's a lot easier to commit to things we don't like than to things we like because we don't feel as tied to it in that case. And I think some of the things that I realized was, and and like these are things like I'm still realizing. So I'm in, I'm in my first relationship, which is also my first non-monogamous relationship as well. And even going into that, I thought that, oh, if I have relationships outside of this, I won't require as much because I'm getting all of that from my main partner. But then I learned that like, oh, everything that I require in my primary relationship, I actually also require in any other serious relationship outside of that as well. And it, it was something similar with casual sex. If I thought because it was casual or because it was a threesome, I don't necessarily require the things I would in like, you know, committed partner sex or my one-on-one casual sex, but like, it turns out I do. It turns out that I want to have a friendship and communication. It turns out that ghosting also sucks with a couple as much as it does with a single person. And that was something that I started to prioritize. If, if I were to look for a threesome with a couple, I would prioritize it to be somebody that I would hang out with if we weren't going to have sex. So like, I want to continue a relationship with them. Maybe we have sex, maybe we don't, but I think they're super cool. And those were the ones that turned out the best. Otherwise, like I would honestly, unless it was that case, I wouldn't really want to have sex with couples unless I was in 
a sex club scenario. I, I found that that to be a very good one for group sex because I would have friends there. So no matter what happened with the group sex, I would go hang out with my friends. I'd get aftercare from my friends. I could like cuddle and chat to them and have fun. I'm, I'm very much a quality time love language person. So I love talking. So that could be a way that I could unwind if a scenario wasn't the best or I wasn't getting what I needed from it afterwards. But otherwise, like I just, I had so many bad and like toxic experiences with couples that I would take a lot more time in getting to know them and their dynamic and who they are. And honestly, would probably avoid it a lot of the time. I hear you. I think that's where I'm at actually in terms of like who I would want to have threesome with. I find couples to be too complicated. I also find there's an imbalance of, I'm going to say this and I'm going to reflect on it. An imbalance of curiosity. I feel like the couple sort of know each other in such a way that it kind of like sucks out some of the curiosity. Then it's like me being curious about them and they may be curious about me, but they're kind of like, they have their own script in between them. And it, that, that I'm just like, ah, oh, that's not interesting to me. Like for some reason, like that's just not interesting to me. So I, I, I struggle with the, the, the couple threesome as well. And I do think friend, like a baseline of friendship. Yeah. Like you got to fuck your friends. <laughs> Look, okay. So actually here's a great, here's a great scenario. I am going to a wedding in a couple of weeks of a couple that I met on field. And they were, that was another scenario. I have like the best ones where I still have relationships with them, where I think after we like went on a date, I remember saying to them, like, you guys are super cool. And I really enjoy hanging out with you. Like would love to have sex with you. But if we don't, like, I would just like to continue getting to know you. And like, we ended up having sex and it's like, I mean, they live in London, so it's a kind of on again, off again sort of mm -hmm. thing, but we keep in touch a lot because I think they're really cool, but I'm going to their wedding and I'm bringing nice. my partner over there. He's actually already met them before when they were in the US, but like I, I continue relationships with whether it's like one person or both people in the couple, but those are, those are the best ones for me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I get that. I get that. Okay. So regardless of your you're a couples person, a solo person, strangers, friends, whatever your congregation are. Mm -hmm. What, in terms of the planning of this thing, right? Give us an idea of what are best practices for before, during, and after. So, I mean, I guess it would, it would kind of depend on your configuration because you, there, let's say, if it's threesome, there's three people, but then if there's a couple, they both have their individual needs and boundaries and desires and all that, but also their couple unit ones as well. So mm -hmm. it's not just three individuals that have to communicate. It's also the couple and the, the single person as well. But I would think it, it's really helpful to plan out maybe different positions that everybody thinks is hot or enjoyable and like maybe doesn't feel left out on. So maybe one person really loves watching. It's like, great. We can do one where you're in this position where you're able to watch us or you're positioned underneath of us or, or whatnot. I know that like, I don't like feeling left out and I get nothing from watching at all. So even if I'm not involved, I'm like, can I be underneath of you? And then I can just kind of like feel the situation going on. That's pretty fun for me. So it's thinking about those ahead of time. So that way, maybe you don't get down to all the different positionings that you all had planned for, but it's kind of like planning a scene in BDSM where it's like, I don't know the exact script of how this is going to go, but I know a couple places we've all agreed on that we can go. So if there's kind of like, you know, a lapse or, you know, a moment where we're not sure what to do, we'll be like, oh, what about that thing we talked about um, as well? And, and that, I find that that really helps to guide the threesome. So especially if you are a control freak or a type A personality, that can be helpful to kind of have have an idea and also to gauge everyone's interest in it. So that way you don't kind of spring on a configuration that one person is really not cool with. What I heard so far then in the pre-planning is first check in with yourself. How do I want to feel in this experience? Then communicate with those involved. How do you all want to feel in this experience? Within that conversation, look for red flags. So if you were saying, if you're saying as much, this is what I want to avoid as this is what I want to create, get back, get it back into the intentions of why are you trying to avoid the thing? And then if it feels like everyone is on the same page, then, then create some ideas or some guides or some configurations that can help begin to lead the way until things start to kind of organically flow on their own. Yeah. And I find it often helps when one person is kind of more of a director and that doesn't mean they're telling people what to do, but they are just like leading and presenting the scenario. So maybe this is someone who's more comfortable with the conversation or who 
knows more about what they, how they want to feel or those kind of things, because it is very difficult. And that person can lead with giving options as opposed to fill in the blank. So, hey, here's a scenario that I like. I like this positioning and configuration because it gives me XYZ. Here's one that I would rather not do because of XYZ. And that can kind of give people something to kind of guide them of like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing here. Someone also already volunteered something they liked and didn't like. So now I don't feel that I'm going to be the odd duck out or chastised by saying what I like or what I don't like. We're all in like a sharing capacity here. And then at the same time too, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like workshopping these things together. I love a good group chat beforehand. Um, that's also a good time to figure out like, are we bringing any toys? What's going to happen when we need a break? What about afterwards? What do you like to do or, or beforehand? I'm really big on just like planning an after activity. So it doesn't just kind of like end and be done, whether that's, you know, dancing or like having a drink or going to the park or, or whatever it is. So that way you can kind of have like a nicer transition instead of like, let's get you a cab home. <laughs> um, sometimes that can feel really abrupt and that can kind of take away from your experience. So these are all good times to, to plan for that, to talk about barrier methods, to talk about, you know, goes and no goes. So I, like, I always tell people beforehand, like, do not put your hands on the back of my head. If you do, I will take them off. Just don't, don't do that. It freaks me out. So these would be things to tell people of like even different triggers of things that might happen that they should avoid. It's not when people ask for boundaries and triggers, it's not an opportunity to be like, cool, no scat play, no blood. It's like, okay, yeah, we're, those are not things that are going to come up without a lot of negotiation. So let's talk about things that are more specific to avoid. Even things of like, how will I know when you're having a good time? What do you tend to look like? I like to tell people that it's a great question. Despite all of my efforts, when I'm achieving like my peak pleasure, I look like I am deep in thought and kind of angry. <laughs> and sometimes that can be off-putting. Be like, oh my God, are you okay? So I have to like explain that or maybe explain what your tells are. Or like if I'm kind of despondent and quiet and off to the side, like maybe check in with me. That's probably not a good sign. Yeah. I think those are so important. Such good questions. Similarly, like I am a, a talker, like you are, and like Jack, Jack, Jacqueline is, we're, we're talkers during sex, especially if I'm having good sex, nonverbal, <laughs> not yeah. interested in talking, no words, nothing, which throws people, you know? <laughs> so if you're, if you have that kind of a, you know, idiosyncrasy, you should definitely mention it for sure. And I love also, like you're saying, I'm, you know, what, what would I look like? What would it feel like if I'm triggered or, you know, activated or not having a good time? I think, I think letting people know what that looks like is also so important. So I love that. Love and even that. as that. an opportunity then to think about that for yourself. I don't know if I've sat back and thought about what does it look like when I am disengaged? What does it look like when I am experiencing deep pleasure? And whether or not we talk, like talking during sex, it does sound like talking before is important. And I think there's a myth that if we talk too much about it, it takes away from it. Like we can't, like it just has to happen. We can't, we can't go through all the details of the thing. And I think there's a way in which you're describing it would actually creates anticipation. It likes makes it hotter when you're like, what do you want to do? And what toy should we use? Like the way in which you can talk about it doesn't have to be like sitting down with flip chart paper, unless you're me. And then we're probably going to sit down with flip chart paper. That's probably actually <laughs> what's going to happen. I do love the group chat idea though. Some of these things are just like easier in, in writing and you also, it's also good for clarity. Like there's no misunderstandings, like you miss mishearing something. Um, it's all that and you can like do everything on a group chat. And then when the day arrives, you can, when the day comes, you can arrive at your threesome with like all the, everything handled. So you don't have to have these conversations like on the day, if it's available to you, if you're having an impromptu threesome, Good on you. Pause, have a conversation and then get into it. Yeah. I was just thinking about that of like, all these things are for like, you know, planned and orchestrated ones, but what yeah. about the impromptu ones as well? Like where you don't have the group chat where maybe it's someone you already know, maybe it's someone you haven't met before. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if you're going to do anything impromptu, you have to get really comfortable with improvisation and with mm -hmm. knowing a lot of things that you, you don't know and not assuming. Yeah. And that's also where it's kind of like, if you ever had like the sex, that's also kind of a getting to know you. Um, it's a very mm -hmm. quick way to get to know someone if you're going to like do it correctly <laughs> and be very curious about them and be okay with like lots of pauses and chatting and like really just learning as you're going. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because yeah. it feels like then in either case, whether it's brand new, or you're planning in advance, being present and curious is really like all the conversation is going to get get us into the room and hopefully make us on the same page. But then unless it's part of what you described, it, there's not a script, right? Unless yeah. it's designed to be a script, there isn't a script and being fully present is actually the most important thing. Yeah. And when you have all these goals and this pressure of like, this is what the threesome has to look like. And this is what my fantasy is. That's going to prevent you from being present. And it, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on, on other people too. Cause one of the beauties of group sex is because there's also more people. It, it tends to be a lot longer, just a lot longer mm-hmm. than a regular two person deal. And like, I mean, the best ones I've had, there's a lot of breaks. There's just a lot of hanging out naked and things like that. And just with the last threesome that I had, I remember there was one person who was like, I think I'm tapped out. And I was just like, your mind is your body like exhausted. And they're like, body, mind, soul. I'm just tapped out. I'm just going to hang over here. And like, sometimes that's how you'll know when it's ended um, as well too. But I think kind of getting away from this like really linear path, which is what group sex like enables us to do is like, it's going to be a lot longer and there's going to be a lot of breaks and it's not going to feel like a movie. Like you are there for the commercial breaks. Yeah. I love that. I love that for sure. Okay. Um, I'm curious. So we, in our heads, you know, imagine all the different ways we've done our planning. We've gotten to gotten to know ourselves. We've got our boundaries. We've got our how we want to feel. We have our language. We're open-minded yet kind of informed and curious. In our heads, we're ready for a threesome. And what if we are part of a couple and we need to enroll our partner into this adventure that is taking shape in our minds? How do we approach a partner about threesomes? So first acknowledge that if you're approaching your partner about this, that probably means you've had a lot of time to think about this, to talk mm-hmm. to yourself about it, to fantasize. That's great. They also probably need that time. So anything that you bring to a partner, um, no matter how long you've been with them, don't approach it as a like check. Yes or no. Will you do this with me? Yes or no. You have to answer right now. What do you think? Are you going to do it? You need to let them formulate their own opinion and maybe, you know, it'll take longer, shorter. Maybe it's something they've already thought about or not, but you need to give them that time. So expressing that they don't need to say yes or no. It's just something that you've been thinking about. Here are the reasons why you're excited about it and like sharing those, whatever it is that you've learned and allow them that space to fantasize about it, sexualize it, or, or come up with different, like even worries that they may have that you're able to address. And I think this is one of the important things when I talk about people boundering up to, you know, prevent them from feeling certain emotions. If you're approaching your person and they're talking about their different worries about it, don't just like set things up so they don't feel their worries. Like you need to work through whatever those may be. And maybe those are things that then turn into boundaries, or maybe those are things that you're able to work through together. And like, ultimately when it comes to pushing outside of like our heteronormative view of sex, when we add kink, when we add group sex or any of those things, it's kind of like a fun little exposure therapy of a lot of these things that maybe that you were really scared of that were really intimidating. You're able to do them and be like, Oh, I did that. I survived or I learned something from it, or it made me stronger or this thing I was so scared about isn't actually that scary. I thought seeing my partner with another person would just like bring out the devil horns in me. But instead I'm just like really appreciative of them. And I like seeing them happy or like, I like cheering them on when they go down on someone or something like that. So, you know, you you don't know what you don't know firstly. So kind of giving both of yourselves that grace, just approaching it from a lens of like, this is a thing that I'm into. They are under no obligation to meet that need for you. Just because you want to do something does not mean another person has to do that. Or, you know, you have to decide if this is something that's integral to your relationship, you know? So maybe, maybe it is something that like this has to exist. And then maybe that person won't be the fit for you, but most likely this probably isn't something that has to exist in all of your relationships. So really not approaching it as an ultimatum. And then just, you know, getting, getting curious together, um, thinking about low bar ways to start to explore this that aren't necessarily jumping into a threesome or adding a third party that might potentially get hurt from your, you know, being inequipped as a couple doing this. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and questions, so many more questions around what that looks like. But before you even go into what those conversations could bring up, what is then those conversations look like with someone who is not in a couple? So either a third or stranger or friend that you're approaching about this adventure. 
So I think one conversation that I'm assuming couples have beforehand and that it doesn't just happen this way is like, who is interfacing? Is it one person? Is it both of us? And that's actually really important. And I judge people a lot based on what that is or why that is. Maybe it's like, this person is so busy and they hate meeting new people, but they want to do this. Like that makes a little bit more sense than like, this person is the gatekeeper and they're responsible for both parties because you don't have to get to know both of us, just one of us. Again, I'm a talker. I like quality time. So I'm like, I, I'm not just going to go based off of a picture as well. So I think that that's something that is important. I'm like kind of veering off though. This was like of the third person, right? Of approaching that third person. Yes, exactly. A third yes, person yeah. or or a group of friends, maybe if they maybe yeah. as, as you start had, to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like your non-partner, your like the other people that you're gonna have sex with that aren't necessarily your partner, that you might have a certain dynamic in place. But what about if you're trying to enroll, yeah. <laughs> recruit um others that aren't your partner into <laughs> your games, fun and games? I guess it also depends of like the context of that. Is this a scenario where this person has already expressed interest and not necessarily having a threesome or group sex with you, but is this something that they do in general? Or are you in an area where like, if it's a sex party or it's a non-monogamous dating app or something like that, like, is there something that already gives the inclination that like they might be interested in this? Or are you kind of cold approaching a random stranger that you think would be a good candidate or who you're attracted to, or you have a good relationship with? If it's someone that you already know, just like considering that, like bringing this up might change the dynamic or context, depending on that person and, you know, their openness or ability to like talk about things and understand. I think if you already know them, really starting with the conversation of like, I don't want this to change our relationship. And I don't want you to feel that like you have to do this or you're obligated or, or any of those things. Because if this is a relationship you care about and you want to continue, you should be able to foster this, um, whether, whether this threesome is going to happen or not. But I would just express to them that this is something, it's a desire that you and your person have, maybe describing why that is or what you're looking for, and then inquiring if this is a thing that they're ever interested in or or what they're interested in about it. Try not to make it solely about you and your person. If you're trying to attract a third person, it's still dating at the end of the day. You know, you are maybe you are a couple and you're trying to attract a third person, but like you're still dating them. So it's going to be very similar to when you were dating your person. You're still going to have to get to know each other and court them, engage what they're interested in instead of being like, here's what we come with. Do you want to join? Yes or no? Yeah. You know, as you're talking about it and thinking, so there are multiple scenarios that you described, right? We can go to different apps. We can go to different parties. We can talk to our friends and folks in our, our community. And we can reach out to and engage a sex worker if there are conversations that we want to say, this is actually what we're looking for. Is this something that you are comfortable with, willing to do, excited in, have expertise in? If there doesn't want to be that kind of dating element, there is that other option. And like, if you want something that is cut and dry and you don't want to have as many variables to deal with, going to find a sex worker is a great option because they're very equipped with being, with having the checklist. Mm -hmm. And maybe they've even done this before and they can suggest things. But if you want something cut and dry where you don't need to worry as much about the third person because a sex worker, one, they can worry about themselves. They can also advocate for themselves and they probably do that regularly. So they're more experienced in that, but it can feel at least in the front, a little bit more like a business transaction, which can be comforting, especially if you want someone to kind of hold your hand through it. Yeah. So I want to circle back to the conversations that we're having either with our partners or with other folks. Are there anything apart from jealousy that may stand out as a red flag? Like if we are so excited about the thing, how do we know that we are actually not trying to pressure someone into it or convince them? Like what should we either be hearing in what they're saying, or if we're the person hearing it, what kind of red flags if someone is really like trying to convince you of something that you're not really into yet? I guess this kind of depends more of like the dynamic and makeup of the person. Cause sometimes people can be really into this as well. But like, if your person is only doing it to satisfy your needs and so that you can feel happy, like for me, I don't like that as much. 
you're just kind of like putting up with it so that that can make me happy. Like I want people to be actively enjoying some part of it, whether it's like engaging with me or seeing me happy with someone else. But if you feel like that person's just acquiescing, and again, this kind of depends on the person because for some people like who are super service oriented and they just want to please you and make you happy. And that's a part of your dynamic, then that could be great. But I always see it as a red flag. If people are just doing things to appease us and they're not deriving like any kind of satisfaction or enjoyment from it. So I have a a, a practical question that I want to sort of interject in there. I know that safer sex protocols are different for different people because everybody has a different risk tolerance and whatever you're willing to tolerate in terms of risk really reflects on what you need to feel safe when you're having sex. So I know that it's an individual preference and ideally you are playing with people who share the same risk tolerance as you or at least tolerate your level and you decide what that looks like. I am curious though if there are some best practices when you have multiple people playing. Like, Are there some best practices for threesomes in terms of sexual health? If you are using toys, put barriers on those toys. That is a very easy way to spread germs, spread STIs. And it's something that we don't think of because a lot of times when we're using sex toys, it's with ourselves or with a single partner. But that's that's a great way, honestly, too, just for, for cleanliness sake. But like, you can put a condom on a Hitachi. You can put saran wrap around a bunch of things as well, too. So that's something that's often overlooked. Definitely having like a towel or area where you can easily dispose of anything um, that needs to be disposed of. So you're not constantly like running to the bin or something like that. And then also just being conscious of like when there is any switching between people, like Mm -hmm. assessing people's comfortability with that and having to like wash off or use a barrier. Cause sometimes we just, I think we just think like condoms or bus. So it's like, as long as we're using a condom before we penetrate someone then everything's fine, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of skin to skin, mouth to mouth and things beyond that too. So unless it's just like pregnancy, that's the only thing that you're trying to avoid or, or to mitigate that risk for. And, and it's honestly just about everyone's risk tolerance and risk profile and not assuming that of people too. So whether that is, you know, making everyone aware of like, hey, here is my latest like STI check. Here are things that I am positive for. And here is how I mitigate risk with that. And here's the things that I'm negative for. Or like, I get BV a lot. So I would really appreciate it if we cleaned things before anything went in or around my vagina. Mm -hmm. That would be great for me. (laughs) And I think beyond that, it's just like understanding with like all types of fluid play, whether that is spit, whether that is sex fluid, whether that is ejaculate or anything like that, all of these things come with risks and sex in general comes with risk. And we assume risk all of the time. So it's just assessing what that level is. And especially now with COVID, like that is spread easily via spit. So like, you got to be very conscious of that as well. For sure. Absolutely. One of the pro tips I was given when I was getting all nerdy about this is that um, actually for threesomes internal condoms are better than external condoms mm. because internal condoms you can switch between people and the condom stays with the the vulva owner versus an external condom where you have to constantly switch condoms and if you forget or if you're in the moment you're having to stop change a condom and 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 then go again and uh, actually internal condoms kind of make that transition smoother was my, my the pro tip that I was given That's a good idea. I don't have as much experience with internal condoms, but it was, I used to have a problem where condoms would just tear all of the time with me. So I was going to make that swap, but then I guess it never, never happened. That was also recommended for that reasoning. The other thing I was thinking of too, is just like, have a strap on and dildo on hand. I don't care if there are people with penises or not in your configuration. It is a good idea. I concur. That <laughs> just feels like a life tip. Don't rely on a penis to get hard for your pleasure. Just like have it, have it in always hand. be a strap on handy. That just feels like good practice. Yeah. Um, and like maybe penetrative sex isn't a part of anybody's menu at all anyway. And that that's totally fine. But if it is, have it on hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totes. What a, what a great, what a great note to end. I know. I just <laughs> exactly. And on that note, um, but before we let you go, if you are good with it, we have four quick questions to ask you to get to know you a little bit more. The first of which is what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love, sex, or relationships? I think about this so often. 
definitely is to understand the difference between desirability and pleasure. So mm-hmm. desirability is focusing on like what other people tra- find attractive and then embodying that versus pleasure is what do I enjoy? And those are two different things that I got confused and I just focused on de- desirability. Man, good advice for anyone at any age, at any time. Exactly. Anyway, good, good advice. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just good advice. Okay. What is one uh, romantic or sexual adventure on your bucket list? This one actually just came up recently. I'm a little bit baby brained, probably because I'm like a new auntie to, to two babies as well. But I would love to be in a threesome with a couple that's conceiving or trying to conceive or group sex scenario. That just, it feels like something really cool to be around. And I'd love to like assist in that. I'd be like a big cheerleader. I actually know a baby that was conceived. I know that baby too. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's where I got the idea. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Oh no. As this baby grows up, people are going to be like, I know where you came from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, How, again, as every time we ask this question, it becomes more and more self-evident, but Lola Jean, how do you challenge the status quo? I am a brat which means I like to challenge everything. <laughs> it is in my DNA. And I, I think one of like the biggest ways is just really binaries. Anytime anyone says there is one way to do anything, I am like, liar. Um, but I'll just challenge it and like figure things out that way because there's there's always things that are going to deviate. And it's it's still a cop-out to being like, most of the time it's this. And if it's not for you, that's okay. Like give examples of the way that it's not like that. If it's, if it is not one way and it could be 99% of the time, but I think that's where a lot of these questions we all probably get of, is this normal, but I do this and it's different. Like we can start talking about, you know, destroying binaries everywhere. Then everyone can find their place. I love that. Yay. Absolutely. Okay. Last but definitely not the least, what are you curious about lately? I, so I'm a co headmistress of the Seven Days of Domination, which is a mm-hmm. marathon kink education series um, that's specifically providing low cost education to sex workers. And recently, it's just taken this really fun dive into history and learning of not just like the history of kinks in general, but like the history of how this like showed up in society. Why was there moral panic around this specific activity? And it's been really fascinating. Like in kink in general, I love learning about like, why is someone into this thing? What's the psychology Mm -hmm. behind it? I mean, I'm also a little bit of a history nerd. So then when you get into the history of things, like it can get really, really interesting. You have to come back and tell us all about it because right now I'm like, tell me more. I want to hear it all. (laughs) Um, I am doing a deeper dive into history of orgies and group sex, actually. So maybe we can exchange notes because really the private sex has only been in the last few hundred years. Like we didn't have privacy period. And then if you look at sort of like ancient civilizations, there's like orgies on a Tuesday night, you know? So like the idea of the sex that we have now, this like private coupled sex is actually fairly new. And I'm kind of interested in like the history of group sex and like, what was it like before and how did we, of course, church got involved and here we are having the sex that we're having. But like, I'm I'm kind of like, this is where I'm at. So we're going to do an episode on this. So maybe we can do like history of orgies, history of kink in one episode. Love it. Yeah. It's the, I mean, this week is fluids week for seven days of domination. So it's all that themed. But like when you were saying that, it's like, we didn't even go to the bathroom privately. That was all, it was exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So love it. Thank (laughs) Thank you you so much. Lola G. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Oh, it was so much fun to talk to you. Want more of Lola Jean? First, check out our interview with her on episode 94, where we talked about pegging and butt stuff. Then visit her at Instagram, Lola Jean Sex Ed, and on her website, lolajean.com, where you can sign up for an online workshop, including seven days of domination, which brings you some of the world's top pro doms as a shed light and knowledge on a number of topics and skills within BDSM. If you have any threesome tips or are interested in exploring a threesome, let us know. Head to our Facebook group and discuss the episode with other listeners and curious foxes. And keep up to date on upcoming episodes and other fun foxy adventures by coming onto our Instagram and following us. And make sure that you are clicking like or follow on whatever podcast device that you're listening to so that we can come to your phone every single week 
for more curiosity and fun. And of course, join us on Patreon, where you can not only get the podcast in advance of the general public, you also get mini episodes behind the scenes and access to all of the workshops that we did pre-pandemic, including the threesome workshop by Lola Jean and all of the Zoom post-pandemic workshops that we did for folks. You have access to it all. Have a question, comment, or want to share a story? Reach out to us at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com or call us at 201-870-0063. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who's an important player in our podcast trio. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work, and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. I am forever impressed how much you can, Oof. how you can pull that off and then like screw up my three lines. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like I pulled poor that Ni- off. Poor, Ni- poor Nina has to like edit her little parts. <laughs> okay. I think we have everything. Oh, okay. No, I'll do it again. Sex it. Thank you. I was like sexed. I thought I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Let me do it again. Oh. Um, ha 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 ha. Get in the next. Ha 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 We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.